Today's session is part of the golf course owners and operators forum that we're running through KPI Golf. And I was running this particular program today with uh, two different golf course owners. And I'm bypassing a bunch of the initial discussion and Q&A discovery phase where I'm asking them questions about their clubs and what their challenges are and who their customers are and where they're, uh, how they're marketing now and what's working, what's not working. So basically, just to catch you up, one of the one of the owners is um, he's got a, a public facility and also a semi-private facility, kind of a unique situation. It's in sort of a destination area. Um, that competes with, say, like Myrtle Beach or Hilton Head and, in the Carolinas. And um, so the, the semi-private club gets members from the housing development that surrounds the club where properties are tied to the membership. So they're not really marketing hard for memberships, but their marketing campaigns are, are, driving, are, are trying to drive tourists, so people traveling from sort of a, a two-hour to five-hour drive sort of donut around their area, bring them to those facilities for um, stays in their villas. They, they've got villas around the golf courses, and it's sort of a resort. Um, but they also reach out to areas in Ohio and Pennsylvania and up north and try to get people down. So that's, that's their marketing challenge. And then the other guy that is on the call, he's got a – a semi-private club as well and he's more in the sort of the typical game of driving rounds and driving memberships so that sort of frames up for context the conversations that we're having about how they're marketing and how golf courses can be thinking about marketing and the fact that buying golf whether it's memberships or rounds of golf it's what we call the considered buying process. So it's not like buying a Snickers bar at the supermarket where it's just an impulse buy. From going from stranger to loyal customer normally takes quite a substantial amount of time. And golf courses we find have holes in that sort of process in terms of when they first hear about the club or even think about starting to play golf. The in particular the nurturing of those prospects over time and staying top of mind and building trust and building authority and 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 helping them learn and and eventually make a decision to pull the trigger and spend money at those facilities golf courses seem to be kind of lousy at that and there are definitely strategies and ways to go about that and that's what we cover today so just wanted to frame that up for you it's a cool conversation I think the guys got a lot of value out of it, and uh, I enjoyed doing it. I hope uh, hope it's something informative for you. This is the Golf Essentials Podcast with Casey Bork. You know, starting on a on a surface level, um, you know, let let's let's just and I know this is intuitive to everybody, but sometimes sometimes clubs aren't aren't really thinking this through so um think of the the we call it the customer life cycle right so and todd especially for you right um it starts with awareness so they they don't even know you exist and correct 
the content that you deliver or the messaging that you deliver to people at different stages of the life cycle is very different. So an initial touch for, for each of you is, is the awareness stage, which is the very, think of your sales funnel. That's the very top of your sales funnel. And then, and then comes the evaluation stage where they are looking at a number of different things and they're starting to do some heavy research as to whether or not what you're offering is a good fit for them, right? They, they're starting to look at maybe different locations or different clubs they could join and different options. Then comes the purchase, which is the bottom of the funnel, you know, and that's where they're figuring out exactly what it would take to become a customer, right? They, they may give you a call. They may reach out uh, travel agency. I don't know, whatever it might be, they're, they're getting a, a contract from you or they're coming for a facility tour weight or something like that. Um, that's the purchase stage. The activation stage is onboarding. So that's when they become a customer. They're new. They're most excited about this new thing. Uh, for Wade, as a, as a new member, that's the, the hottest time. The first two or three months are the hottest, hottest, hottest time where they're most excited. They want to validate that purchase. They want to uh, get their friends involved because they're sort of, in most cases, they may be sort of stepping out on a limb socially. They may know a few people, but they may not. And getting them plugged in and integrated is super important, right? For, for you, Todd, that after they become, after they come down once, or even after they've committed to come down, that onboarding, that activation process can begin in, in some way if you know that they're, they're booked and what kind of nurturing are we doing to prepare them for the trip to continue that excitement? Um, because at the end of the day, for both of you, the last stage is referrals, right? Uh, we want them right. to become evangelists. Now, uh, I will say I, I am in the process of trying something new. Yep. It's it's really a texting platform, mm -hmm. I think, more than more than anything. And I'm I'm trying to get all that set up right now. And it'll be interesting to see how that works because even my members can use it and uh, text us questions, information, whatever they need. And it would automatically come to an email. And there's right. so much of it that's automated that yeah, it makes it uh, practical. So they've got bots that'll answer sort of frequently asked questions and. Right. Um, yeah, so at, at the end of the day, that is, that is a great example of greasing the skids, right? right? Being where your customers are and communicating in ways that are comfortable for them, not comfortable for you necessarily, even though, right, right a, a process not. is both, you know? But, I'm, I'm trying to learn a whole new process <laughs> here. It's way harder for me than the young guys that work there. Yeah, yeah. But, and I, uh, I think, you know, in, when you're building a community like you are, right, building camaraderie, membership, local, localized community, com connecting people is very important. Whereas Todd's situation, that, that may or may not be an angle, that may or may, or may not be an ideal tactic, you know? Right. Um, but it is a, don't, don't confuse a strategy with a tactic. So at the end of the day, we want to be able to, 
however that might be, and it's going to change over time, our communications with our customers has to be on their terms, not ours. Right. Right. Um, so, um, the interesting thing, and for both of you, this is a tie that binds everybody in golf, golf, choosing to play golf and where you play golf is a, is a considered buying process. And that means it's not like buying a Snickers bar at the checkout line at the supermarket, right? It's not an impulse purchase. That's the opposite. A considered buying process is something that it takes some time, right? You become aware, you look at your options and then at your own pace, everybody's going to be different in golf. You evaluate your options and you eventually make your decision. And what we find is that the, the, the length of that considered buying process is, is it compares, it's a direct correlation with the cost, right? Think about when you buy a car, you buy a home, you're going to, you're going to consider that process a lot longer than simple purchases. So what, where clubs sort of break down is they go for the quick win immediately, right? So any advertising, any marketing is, Hey, come buy our memberships or sign up for memberships now. And what you're asking them to do is to go from zero to a 10, a 20, a $50,000 commitment or whatever it might be for your club from zero, right? That's a huge leap. And if they don't pull right. the trigger, if they don't pull the trigger at that moment and with that single touch, there's no processes in place to nurture them, right? To allow them to continue to investigate, to build a relationship with them, to continue to build trust, to be helpful and to help them make those decisions along the line and extend that time period where you're staying top of mind. And then you have a much better likelihood of closing them on their terms later on, right? It's a, it's a longer term approach rather than, Hey, we're going to, we're going to be the car salesman and sell you today kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, even in your case, Todd, I think, I think there's, there's validity there too. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely deferring to your, your marketing agency knows all this stuff. And, um, you know, I'm sure that they're not just blasting people with annoying sales pitch type messages. I'm sure they're integrating sort of helpful, interesting stuff with every now and then you make your ask, you know, do you know anything right, about tried the to, content mix there? Yeah, we've tried to, uh, we're not there a hundred percent, but our goal is for a hundred percent of our email blast to uh, offer some other you know, obviously offer and offer, whether it be a package or a, whatever we're advertising, but then also offer them uh, something educational or a fun video or a, uh, something about the new rules. So we've tried to integrate, uh, you know, something else to, that we're yes. giving them, to entertain them or educate them besides just trying to sell them something. For sure. Um, otherwise you, you trash your database, don't you? People, either grow to dislike you or distrust you. Um, you know, I think, Correct. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but there's a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, he's real big in marketing and everything. And one of the things he says, he, he runs a 
300 million dollar marketing agency does a whole bunch of stuff and um one of his big pieces of advice is when you when you give give and when you ask ask don't blend the two so much right so when you are offering something or giving something to them give without expectation give 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 i've got to run okay I'll have All a right good way. rest of the meeting <laughs> Thanks. Good luck. Oh, are you still there, Todd? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. No. That, yeah. That makes sense to. Yeah, and if if you yeah, can think about your like own experience, always trying to get something out of them. Yeah, people sniff that out, right? And you know, hey, come out, come out for um our our you know two hour timeshare presentation while you're on vacation and get a free dinner. Well, you go there and they're, you know, they're, they're selling you the whole way and they wear you out and it, it's not what it was advertised to be, right? People can sniff that right. stuff. Um, but if you, if you truly are helpful and, you know, if, and again, if, if you're addressing people in that sort of awareness stage, you think about somebody that you know, you, 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 you develop your buyer personas. So maybe you're targeting a family of four with two teenage kids or whatever, and they want to go on a family trip. And so they're just, just now starting to figure out like, where could they go? Maybe they've, they've got other options besides golf in general. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah. But you're, you present them with a guide of the Carolinas or, uh, and it, it can be third party content too. You know, you're, you're just delivering something that's helpful, um, and building trust. And of course there's a balance It's part art, part science. If you're continually giving stuff and never asking, then you're never going to see any returns, you know? Um, but, but anyway, food, food for thought there, uh, because it, if every message has an element of both, then you're sort of not doing either every time. It makes sense. You know? Um, so uh, I, I, have, I had all kinds, of, all kinds of other stuff that we could dig into, but um, you know, in, your, in your situation, um, and, and it sounds like you've done a, a lot of this, but when, when we evaluate clubs and how they're marketing and, and how their sales processes go, uh, we build it backwards. So we look at things backwards. So the, the very end of that, the bottom of the sales funnel would be what, what are your offers? What kind of pricing? What are you, what are you presenting? What's the value proposition? What are the differentiators versus other options that they have both in your market and elsewhere, right? So is your offer in tune with the types of people that you're communicating with? Obviously, that's, that's a big step, right? Right. Um, so then again, we're working sort of backwards here. So when it comes time to make a sale, so however that happens, if somebody, uh, how do people actually book these trips? Do they just, do they call you? Do they, 
sign up online? Do they book with a travel agent? How does that go? Uh, most common would be uh, either they visit the website and either call our booking office or we'll send an email uh, requesting uh, a, a quote on a certain time frame or a certain type of package that they're interested in. Yep. Perfect. So um, that process, you know, in light of the programs that you're now offering, um, let's investigate that process. Is it, is it most effective, right? Do we want, how do we want to send them a quote? Do when they send, send in the form, do we just spit them back uh, a boilerplate template with some numbers and some, some benefits on it? Or do we set up a time to have a 15 minute review discussion or, or call with them to get a little more context and then put that together, you know, and, and when we send it over to them, are we just, you know, sort of sending it and hoping, or are we reaching out to them and again, like going over it with them and holding their hand a little bit? I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. But that, that process, um, there's, uh, I can tell you a tendency when people ask for quotes or proposals and things like that, companies will go through a lot of effort to put proposals together and quotes and things. And then they'll just fire it over with an email and say, Hey, here you go. Hope to hear from you soon. Look forward to your response. You know, um, where that's I would a, say we are probably guilty of some of that. Yeah. I, I, at least with, um, with the uh, marketing and web development agency that, that I've been operating for 10 years, um, we, we never do that. So when, if we're going to spend, and our proposals are more robust, but uh, if we're going to spend a few hours putting together a proposal, we don't send it over unless we, we set up a time to, to walk through it with them, make sure that they've got their questions answered, make sure that they're equipped, whether they're, they're the decision maker or right it, for you, it's your, the family, right. And, you know, maybe you're talking to the husband, but he's got to take it to his wife and make a case for it. You can feel that stuff out and you can better best arm him or her or vice versa, whoever it might be with what they need to make the sale on their end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, yeah. So there's that context is, is definitely lost if it's just sort of send and hope sort of thing. So anyway, like I said, we're, we're building this backwards. So we've, we've developed our programs. We know we've got our niche. We've got our, our place in the market. We know why we're different and then how we make that sale. And then we're working backwards. Um, how are we going to start filling this pipeline? I can tell you, and you're, it sounds like you're doing this well already, but tapping into existing customers, those who have in some way raised their hand or better yet pulled out their wallets in the past, those, that's your low hanging fruit, right? Right. Uh, those are the ones that, uh, you know, if you know that, they came two years ago and they didn't come last year or, you know, those are the first sales calls that you make rather than any of the, the cold calling or anything like that. Those are going to be the ones like, Hey, just, 
just want to get some feedback from you. Saw you came a couple of years ago. Love to get some feedback. You know, where did you decide to go, or did you take the year off, or you know, whatever. Those are good conversations to have. Those are the low hanging fruit. And if they were psyched and had a great time, you know, what would it take? You know, um, to help you bring some friends along, or you know, can we sell you Tucon? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Those are low hanging fruit, right? Um, and then, uh, again, we're working back. So somebody has raised their hand, but they raised their hand three months ago. What are you doing? What do you have in place to stay top of mind until they are ready to pull the trigger? Maybe they're looking for a, a fall vacation right now. So they, they made a phone call to you or they reached out or filled out a form on your website or something, but they're only planning to make their decision in the middle of the summer. So how do we, how do we stay top of mind or, or build that relationship up? So you have a chance, a better chance, you know, uh, sounds like right. you guys are doing good stuff there too. I'm sure your, your marketing company is doing that, but questions that you could ask them um, about their messaging is uh, how they're, so they, they have a database of this population that they're reaching out to. Um, what I might suggest, Todd, is, is to ask them how they're segmenting that database and, and how, that, how that messaging is, is being personalized, um, right? So different messages are going to resonate with different people, right? Right. Marketing to a guy's trip of 20 guys are going to come down and drink beer. That's very different than, you know, a family of four with two 10 year olds, you know? Um, so are they, are they segmenting is the messaging. Once people have raised their hand, they become this sort of warm lead. Um, you know, are, how are they, how is that nurturing process? actually going that's a that's just a good conversation to have with them just so you understand it and um if there's any way that it could be improved or refined so that by the time they do get to that sales process that we just talked about maybe they're better informed maybe they're more excited maybe they've gone further down that decision process where the sales becomes more or less a formality right? As opposed to convincing them to come your way. Yeah, no, that's a very good, good question. Cause I don't believe that we do any separate campaigns with different messages, messages to target our different customers, right? Mm -hmm. Probably send the buddy trip email to everybody. Yeah. And the buddy trip just falls on deaf ears for, half the population if they're just family, yeah. if it's a family trip, right. you know, um, surveying your audience is a, is a good way to sort of re-segment, you know, um, little friendly survey and you can bury, uh, bury a couple of those critical questions within, you know, maybe a series of five questions that, you know, how do you choose your destination or whatever? I don't know. There's, you can, you can have the questions that you want answered buried in between some questions that are m much less brain damage or much less uh, invasive. You know what I mean? So um, let me, if I'm hearing you right, that 
um, that if you're not currently doing it, which I don't think that we are, that not only for new customers do you want to better figure out who they are and what they're looking for, but you could still go back to all your old customers and mm -hmm. through a survey and help segment them out that way. Yeah, and uh, you know, the, the way that you would want to segment is, you don't want to do a bunch of segmentation if you're not going to need it or use it, right? So simpler right. is better, <laughs> way better, right? A lot of times groups would be like, oh, we can send messages to this, this segment and that segment and we can do this and this and this. And now they have 15 segments and now you got to write new emails for each of them and track them all and it, it becomes way too much. You know, it, at the end of the day, it comes down to your buyer personas. So you figure out what are your, we normally say between one and three ideal clients. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So who are your ideal clients and, and get really specific. So like, you know, uh, a family guy who's 42 years old, he's got two kids, a boy and a girl, they're eight and 10, their family income is $150,000. Both parents are working, but they have some flexibility. Weekends and holidays are important for family time and da da da. That's very different from a young guy who's still single. He's 28. He's just entering the workforce. He's making 65K, but he's got some buddies and looking to get plugged in. He's not sure where life's going to go. Versus an older gal who's just approaching retirement and is looking for her thing to do for the next 20, 25 years, right? Absolutely. Finding those finding those personas. And I can send you um, I can send you a few things, a few of these tools that can help you with that. But just in general terms, like I think you got the buddy trip guy. I think you got the family vacation guy or gal. I don't know, maybe it's just that, right? And um could be that simple. It could be that simple. And you you know that those messages don't cross over very well. So if you just knew that it was one or one of each of those, um you're gonna have a better chance of sending messaging that's gonna resonate. That simple. Uh, and and figuring that out could be disguised in your question, you don't need to ask, are you going on a guy's trip or are you a family that's coming on a trip? You know what I mean? You can disguise that. <laughs> you can ask something totally different, but infer what they're doing, you know, like what's most important to you is this or this, <laughs> you know? Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, um, but again, we're working backwards up the funnel, right? So, conversions is that very, very first time that somebody raises their hand and identifies themselves to you. Uh, and, and your marketing company is getting those emails and those contacts somewhere. It can be people that have been pulled out of your point of sale system or people that have filled out forms on your website or people that have been con customers in the past. They might be somehow getting them to convert through Facebook, uh, Facebook advertising with lead generation on your site, whatever. Um, but how is that happening? And 
are the conversions qualified and 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 is it really is it really easy for people or enticing for people to convert so you know in the old days people would go to your website and the only thing you'd have on a website was a contact us form you know and right when was the last time you filled out a contact us form probably never but never maybe you go to a site and you know there's a there's an a really sharp looking ebook that is you know a a golfer's guide to the carolinas and you talk about each of the six major markets in the carolinas and you know some advice on choosing one over the other and so now you see that ebook and you say oh it's a free ebook i can have it and it takes you to a page and all it asks for is your first name and your email address you know and now you've you basically we call that a premium content offer you're giving away something of value for free in exchange for their contact and um so there are different ways to go about that but that's again up the funnel that's the conversion you're turning somebody from a total stranger that you have no idea who they are they come to your site or they come and look around at your stuff and they never leave a trace that's no value to you but if they can come and leave something behind um, that then becomes something that you can nurture and you could stay top of mind at their own pace, continue to build trust. And then maybe someday they circle back, you know? So how I would ask that agency, how, how do conversions happen and how are we building that database? Um, you know, where are the names coming from? That's all. And, uh, and then all the way at the top of the funnel is that awareness stage that we talked about. So how are we filling that funnel up with new strangers, <laughs> right? Like new right. strangers that have never heard of you and they haven't identified themselves. You, are, you have no idea who they are, but hopefully um, that's the beauty of say Facebook advertising. Unlike print advertising, you can get really, really specific and you can do it in weird ways and you can have as many segments as you want. It's really easy to do. Um, so for example, you could, you could target people in Greensboro, North Carolina who are making over $80,000 a year who are into hiking, <laughs> right? Whatever it might be. And so your ad is, hey, Greensboro hikers, have you ever tried to hike a golf course with a 20-pound bag of clubs on your shoulders or something like that? And, you know, come visit us or, or download this book, this guide for, you know, choosing your next golf trip or whatever. That's what golf is or whatever. You know what I mean? You can, sure. you can target people based on other interests that you feel might translate into golf. And, and they're more likely to actually consume that content if it's, if it's more targeted to their interests, you know what I mean? Rather than the old days, a TV commercial had to be because you're spending a million bucks for, you know, a 45 second commercial, you had to blanket everybody. But the beauty of social advertising, you can get really nuanced, really, really tight with those demographics and you can create messaging for each of them. 
So anyway, again, investigating that awareness stage, how are we making people aware that we exist? How are we converting them into people that we know that they exist? How are we nurturing them along, which is just building trust, staying top of mind over time. And then when they do want to come and chat and pull the trigger or at that decision stage, how are we selling them? How is that process? Is it, is it effective? And are the things that we're selling, are they something that holds a, a place in the market that makes sense? So those, those are all the pieces of your funnel, aren't they? Basically, you want to be building a relationship with the, from the first point of contact all the way to get them down to the bottom of the funnel. Yeah, that's the challenge of a considered buying process, which golf is, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're selling Snickers bars, you you're selling Snickers bars, you say, hey, come buy my Snickers bar. You're selling golf, it's like, have you ever tried golf? Right? How does it compare right. to hiking and fishing and going bowling? <laughs> now it's like you got a lot longer way to bring them. You know what I mean? And uh, Sure. But I'm telling you, clubs just jump to, hey, come play golf here or come buy our $20,000 membership. And they're asking them to go from zero to a million without romancing them. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you're, you know, so – um, but that, that funnel stuff is, is very interesting. And I can send you some notes too, Todd. Um, you know, if you, if you, and I'll wrap this up, I know we're, we're cutting, coming to the end here, but you know, at the end of the day, your funnel is three separate stages. You've got a stranger, they identify themselves, they become a lead and then they pull the trigger. They become a customer, right? Those are the three stages. So what you look at is, all right, all the, all the customers we have versus the leads we have, what is our close rate? So how many leads do we have to talk to before we close one new customer, right? So let's say it's 5%. That means we have to talk to 20 leads to generate one new customer. But then working backwards, we say, all right, we got, we got this lead. How many strangers had to hear about us before we had one identify themselves to us? You know, so let's say we had to get, we had a 2% conversion rate, which isn't too far off from a lot of, with a lot of clubs. That means we got to get 50 strangers to hear about us before we get one to give us their email address or, right? Um, right. So that, that means for every, every new customer that we're getting, we have to reach out to a thousand qualified strangers and we could start to We can start to quantify that. It's called CPM, the cost per mill, which is the cost that it takes to reach a thousand people and start filling that top end of the funnel. But the cool part is as you get more efficient. So if you get more efficient at the two conversions, just little bumps in those conversions make a big deal. So I, I wrote down some numbers, you know, like let's say um, rather than 
like we talked about your email segmentation, if we're able to segment our list into those two segments and deliver a little more personalized message to them, we may be able to, we, we may be able to bump our conversion rate up from 2% to say 4%. And because those people are maybe a little, they're feeling a little better, they're a little more qualified than this, the close rate at the end, goes from 5% to 7%. If you do the numbers, that means we only have to reach 350 strangers per new customer. You know, so it's a, it's a game changer yeah, to start refining that. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. That Just moving that conversion rate up a couple of ticks over year, years is a big, a big number. A big deal. Yeah. So it's, it's not a set and forget strategy. It's okay. Let's track like how many people are, how many strangers, how many leads are we getting from those strangers? How many new customers are we getting? What are the costs along the way? So we figure out what our customer acquisition cost is. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. How much is it costing us to get each new customer? Um, and then back to your low-hanging fruit, people that have spent money with you and come to visit you in the past, those are the, those are the low-hanging fruit because if they're going to refer somebody, like they had a great time, they're going to bring a buddy, right? There's, there's no conversion because they, they've already identified them. And because they're referring or they're coming with a buddy, they're, they're a much higher close rate. Call it a 33%, so one out of three. Now you only need three referrals for each new customer you're getting. Like that's like way, way better than, you know, the mm -hmm. old, the old call. So that, that's your low hanging fruit. And if you start quantifying that stuff, um, you start to find the, the weaknesses in your funnel, you know, Hey, we're advertising. We're getting, we're get our reach is 50,000 people with all these Facebook ads and print ads that we're sending out why do we only have 1400 people in our database and why are we only getting like two customers a month or something like that? Like, you know, maybe there's some inefficiencies there that you can look at those segments of your funnel and try to figure out by the ways that I've been talking about to maybe, maybe make it a little more efficient. That's all, you know? Makes sense. So. So yeah, lots of stuff I know. Um, I can send you some, some little materials, Todd, um, you know, and uh, you know, hopefully you found it a little bit helpful from a, a wide angle perspective, how that works and, and maybe some questions that you can, you can ask and try to dig in and try to, try to see how you can make life a little, little easier for your marketing and sales teams, but also boosting those rates to, to help improve the results because that's what your competition's doing, you know, um, at the end of the day. Yeah, no, it's been very informative. Cool. Do, do you have any, any questions at this stage? I know it's a lot, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, um, and I know there's, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I do, but I, for me, I, take longer to digest and then the questions come later. So if you don't mind, if I something pops into my head the next day or two, if I could shoot you an email. Of course not. Yeah, no. Um, 
You're absolutely welcome to. Um, I put together some notes for today uh, and I've, I've presented on this stuff in the past. So um, I'll just send you the notes that, that I've had from, from the past. And it, some of the, the sections are, are stuff that we talked about, some other stuff we didn't cover, but it'll at least jog your memory on, on the things that we've been talking about. And uh, sure. And I'll send you some links to some different things that you might find helpful. At, at the end of the day, you've, you're wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of different things. Um, but bringing new business in the door solves a lot of problems, you know? So, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know you heard John talk about it, and I'll wrap this up here, but I know you, you heard us talk about it in previous sessions. Um, you know, we we're really high on, on, free golf lessons and not so much for a club like you, but we're really big on regular free golf lessons as a marketing tool. And, and I think we talked about it a little bit, but, um, and if, and yeah. if you get in, if you get into that, you know, that, that awareness consideration, right. That those stages of the process are, are perfectly covered by just saying, Hey, come out and take some free golf lessons, <laughs> you know, cause golf is hard. It's intimidating. Right. They got to go through that at their own stage, at their own pace. And, um, and then you integrate that with some of the digital stuff and it's, it's, it's a no brainer, you know, it's, it's really easy. It can't just be email. It can't just be one thing. It has to be a number of things, number of touches, you know, that. So anyway, Absolutely. Um, which, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, I mean, something like that, you know, almost like when you go to a ski resort, you're bringing somebody with you that's never skied before. You're going to take some skiing lessons, you know, maybe, maybe saying, Hey, we offer a daily beginners 30 minute clinic every day at eight o'clock kind of thing. So anybody that's staying can come out. And, you know, that could be a really cool differentiator for that family person that his wife has played four times and, hey, honey, you can, you could take a golf lesson every day for the week. It's all included. I don't know if yeah, there's got to be golfers that have family that doesn't play and they would love to be able to figure out a way to get them in, into the game. Yeah. Yeah. Bring your family out and. If you read our stuff on that, it's important to keep the instruction basic because if somebody wants to come in and learn a little bit more, that, that you don't want to cannibalize your paid instruction stuff. So it's just right. the basics. But as they progress, then they might pay, pay for some instruction, right? But maybe, yeah, maybe I don't, I don't, for you. Yeah, that's true because I think they're more scared of the process than actually worrying about how to hold the club or how to stand the Making yeah. of a tea time coming in the pro shop, the yeah, getting that, out on big forces, the scary part for sure. And you know, things that we don't think about how you make a tea time, what you bring, when you show up, you know, um, where you stand, all that stuff for the beginners is super daunting. And if they could do that for a week, and at the end of the week, they feel comfortable enough to go walk three holes or nine holes or whatever, they'll be psyched. and you talk about making them a little bit stickier for the next year or inviting their friends sure. that have never played golf and man, you guys got to do this. And, uh, 
that's it's a it's something I think that warrants real consideration. And and um, you know, you're already spending some dollars on on various forms of advertising and marketing. Uh, maybe worthwhile to redirect some of those dollars to something like that, where you pay one of your assistants, you know, 15 bucks to go do the clinic every morning or something, whatever it might be, <laughs> you know, or just make yeah, it no. a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, there's yeah, probably no, that, enough benefits. That's definitely worth thinking. Hope you guys enjoyed this discussion, kind of a different one. We got sort of from a wide angle perspective, talking about marketing in general down to more of a tactical level for uh, a couple of the golf courses and things that they could deploy. And I hope you found it interesting. If you know of golf courses that are struggling right now or, you know, your home club or, you know, Different facilities are facing a number of challenges nowadays. Um, if you know clubs like that and you want to refer us or have them have them reach out to us, I'd be glad to talk with them. And um, we've got experts that can really share some ideas and bring some resources to the table that, that can turn things around pretty quickly. So just want to throw that out there. Um, KPIgolf.com is our website. And... If, uh, if there's anything we can do to help, please pass it along and, uh, and let me know if there's anything we can do. Cheers, guys.